Hey, my name's Stan. I'm the pastor here, lead pastor here, and it's my privilege now to start a new series called The Grateful Life. And I want to start by saying how grateful I am that you are here, that you are here in the room and that you are there online because if you're not here and you're not there, what I do is pretty irrelevant, right? Right? So I'm very grateful for that. You know, sometimes it's easy to look past the reasons we have to be grateful. Sometimes it's a lot easier to make a list of all the things that are wrong in our lives or wrong in society, wrong in our families, wrong in our jobs and all that, and, and just have that list rather than the list of things we're grateful for. Isn't it? Anybody else like that? Just me. <laughs> I don't believe that. I think you're lying to me, okay? Because I, I believe each of us struggles with that at some level, on some days uh, at least. It's easy to focus on the busyness of life and the challenges that are facing us and forget to be thankful. You know, today we're kicking off this new series called A Grateful Life. And during the series, you'll be able to go and get resources on the app. You'll be able to listen back to the messages because you're going to want to hear them again and again because they're going to impact your life towards gratefulness. So make sure you take advantage of that. Uh, like our page, like our YouTube channel, share it with everybody else. In fact, if you're online right now, go ahead and share that now so that people who your friends can jump in right now and they can get started right at the beginning. You know, most of us feel like we actually don't have a problem with this, the whole gratefulness thing. Most of us are, most of might be sitting there thinking or listening online thinking, oh, I don't need that because I'm a thankful person. Right? Anybody think you don't need this and you're willing to admit it Right? because you already feel thankful? Because you do feel thankful. We naturally feel thankful. We are instinctively thankful people. But gratitude is different than that feeling of thankfulness. Gratitude is actually expressing it, demonstrating it. And that's where we probably struggle a little bit more. We feel thankful, but we don't, don't always express thankfulness. And when we don't express it, unexpressed thankfulness, you know what that comes across to the people around us as? Ingratitude. Well, we might be feeling thankful, and we may be thinking, man, I'm so glad that person's in my life. I'm so glad for what that person did for me. When we don't express it, what they hear, what they feel is, huh, they don't really care. They don't give a rip about what I just did for them, right? Anybody with me? You guys are sleeping today or something because this is actually good stuff already. and We haven't even got to the Bible yet. And you're like, you're just kind of sitting there. Thank you. Whoever did that, thank you. I needed that. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, ingratitude hurts when we feel underappreciated, when we feel even invisible or ignored by people. That hurts. And one of the big problems is the person that is not expressing gratitude, that is not expressing the feelings that they actually may have of thankfulness, has no clue that they're actually being ungrateful and it might be stinging you. It might be hurting you. They've got no idea. You know, and we all do that. In fact, as I'm saying that right now, I realize that there's a lot of times I'm not grateful enough and there might be people right here, right now, that might be thinking, you're talking about gratitude? You're not that grateful to me for what I did. And don't you dare say amen right now, okay? <laughs> right? But it's true. Because sometimes we, we just look past it and, and we, we don't take the time. 
We don't pause to express that we are grateful. So to kick this series off, what we're going to do, we're going to embark together on a gratitude challenge. And it's very simple. I'm going to challenge you for the next week, and I would actually suggest even for the whole series, it's only three weeks long, to be grateful every day, to find a way to demonstrate your thankfulness through gratitude, expressing gratitude every day. More on that a little bit later, but we're going to start with some foundations to help us unlock the keys to understanding this whole thing of gratitude. And today, our main focus is going to be on being grateful to God, recognizing God and the things that we have reason to be grateful for to him. So we're going to start in the psalm. Psalm chapter 100 says this, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Right out of the gate, what we need to understand is that gratitude begins. Gratitude starts here. When we acknowledge who God is. Our gratitude towards God starts just by acknowledging who he is. Is. You see there in verse 3, it says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. When we acknowledge who God is, it's going to change your perspective on everything. It's going to change your perspective from you to him. We talked about that a lot in the prayer series. That, By the way, we're ending our 21 days of prayer today. And tonight we're having the big celebration. So you're all coming back for that, right? Okay, three people are coming back tonight, praise God. And the rest of you, by the end of this sermon, I hope you will. So, so, but when we start with acknowledging who God is, puts us puts ourselves in perspective about who we are, and then that causes us to be able to be grateful. Look at what it says here. It says that he is God. The word God there, uh, the Lord, is Yahweh. Yahweh means the self-existent one. He always has been and he always will be. He does not need us to exist. He exists with, with or without us. Elohim, that's the word God, the Lord God. He is the one true God, the only true God. That's what Elohim means. Then, it's beautiful here, it says he made us. He is the creator. He's the almighty creator of the universe. He created everything around us and he created you. And he created you and you and you online. And he created me. That is an amazing thought. And we're actually going to spend quite a bit of time on that in our next series. A few weeks out, we'll be going back to the book of Genesis and seeing how this whole thing all got started. But he is the creator. And that means we are his people. That means we are his possession. That means he gets to make the calls in our life. And that should actually make us grateful because life can be hard. And if we have to do everything on our own, make all the decisions ourselves, that's really a lot of pressure. That's a lot of stress. But when we realize we're his possession, we can submit to him and yield to him. We can acknowledge who God is, and that should make us grateful. And then it says we are the sheep of his pasture. That means a lot of things, but the best picture of that is in Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23 talks about him being a shepherd. This is what that looks like. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest 
in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Homework assignment, go home, read Psalm 23, and make a list of all the things that being the sheep of his pastor means to you. Some of the things you're going to pick up is that you have all you need. He gives rest. He leads you into peace. He strengthens. He guides. You don't need to fear because he's there close beside you. He gives comfort. He gives protection. And your life will overflow with blessings because we are the sheep of his pastor. That means a whole lot more now, doesn't it? When you understand that he's the shepherd and we're the sheep and all that means, all the responsibility he takes on for you and for me, I don't know about you, but that is so freeing. And that is a reason to make me grateful. I hope it's a reason to make you grateful. But not only is he God, we can be grateful because he is good. Did you pick that up in Psalm 23? And look at it in Psalm 100 where it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. It says, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Loved seeing generations represented up here uh, this morning. We see that all the time around our campus and our ministries and everything. But God's faithfulness continues to each generation. His goodness is for every generation. And we can be grateful because God is not only God, but God is good. Now, me saying that God is good up here this morning or whenever you're watching this online does not necessarily make that statement true, does it? Just because I say God is good, does that make it true? Yes, no? No, the fact I say it doesn't make it true. It was already true before I said it, okay? But there's some of you that your experience with God in your mind at least, the way you're interpreting the, God's behavior in your life, you may be sitting there thinking, hang on a minute, I'm not so sure that God is good. Because I prayed in this situation and he didn't do what I wanted. Or I had this other situation in my life and God seemed absent. Anybody like that? And because of that, I'm not so sure God is good can be your interpretation. And friends, I'm not going to sort all that out for you this morning because a lot of the things that you go through in life and that I go through in life, God wants us to wrestle with him about it. God is okay with us saying, God, I'm not so sure that that happened for my, my best interest, but I trust you. That's what trusting that God is good is all about. And how can we know he's good? Well, there's several ways we can, okay? Scripture tells us. Even a casual reading of the Bible reveals his character, his love, and his compassion for people. I already mentioned that he's the creator. Creation screams that he is good. You look at the beauty of creation, and you can see that a good God created this universe and everything that we see and have. 
We can know that God is good because of his provision in our lives. Because he provides for our needs. He takes care of our needs. And there's times where, where you may feel like you're really stretched and it's really getting close to, you have needs that, oh, is that gonna get met or not? You're all here today or you're watching online today. It means you've got resources if you're watching online. And you got here today. And most of you, your bellies are full this morning. Unless you're a skip breakfast kind of person, they'll be full after church. Because God provides. God provides. And if you are a Jesus follower, you know God is good based on your salvation. And Sheeta, who just got baptized this morning, knows that God is good based on the fact that Jesus Christ died for her and rose again. And that she can now have a relationship with God because of that. God is good based on her salvation. He also answers prayer. If you've lived very long and if you're a praying person, if you've prayed very much, you have seen God answer prayer in your life. That tells you God is good. You know, there's a story in the New Testament, a story about something Jesus did that when, every time I read this story, it's like a punch in the guts or a stab or whatever you want to call it, a prick of the conscience that makes me question how grateful I am. It makes me say, oh, am I being grateful or am I an ingrate? Am I ungrateful? Luke chapter 17 it starts out like this. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. Jesus is traveling towards Jerusalem, and he's on a road that's on the border between Galilee and Samaria. There was a couple of roads that were normal for people to take to Jerusalem. He took a pathway that wasn't the normal one. And there's a couple different opinions about why he did this. Some think it was because he was avoiding opposition, so he's taking the back roads so he wouldn't get seen. Or maybe he was dodging speed cameras, you know, in the back roads or whatever. But I believe, and some other theologians also believe, that Jesus intentionally went this way so that he could connect with these lepers. See, these lepers were living in this border region. They were outcasts from society. Leprosy, if you're not familiar with it, it's a skin disease that eats away the skin. Limbs fall off, hands and feet and all that stuff. It's a nasty disease that literally eats your body. And when you had leprosy, you were pushed out of society. You were banished from society. Your family, your friends, everybody said, no, we don't want to have anything to do with you. We are going to stay away from you. You have to go be isolated somewhere else all by yourself or with another community of lepers. Okay, so that's the picture that we see here. And Jesus is actually going where they are. Interesting side note is at the end of the story, we're going to see that amongst these lepers, there were people who were Galileans and Samaritans. There were Jews and Samaritans. That is important because Jews and Samaritans did not hang out. They were not friendly to each other. They had political and religious differences that divided them completely. And what we need to understand about that, the reason I'm bringing that up, it's kind of a side note to this whole gratefulness thing, but they were together in this place because when we go through suffering, when we go through difficulties, alienation, it minimizes our differences. 
when we need each other, all those things don't matter anymore because we're in need. Anybody experience that in life? You know, you're, you're not necessarily the same as somebody else, but when you got something in common, a suffering moment in common, all of a sudden you're united and all the differences don't, ma- don't matter. You know, Pastor N.K. likes Collingwood. But when I need him, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Just had to make it understandable for you here. You get the picture. These lepers had heard that Jesus was around. And I, I got no idea how they knew he was there, but they had heard of him. And when he came by, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Look at what Jesus did then. It says, he looked at them and said, go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, the first word he said, they had heard a lot in their life. Go, get away from me. Get out of here. We don't want you around here. But Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, that was actually a strange command. Because when he said, go show yourself to the priest, they were still covered with leprosy. Going to the priest was something that you did when the leprosy was healed, when the leprosy was cured. Usually didn't happen, but if you're a leper and it went away, you could go to the priest and the priest would say, yes or no. He would basically give you a certificate that says, yes, you're clean now. You can enter back into society. You can go back to your family. You can do all these things again. But Jesus said, go see the priest. Now, they're looking at their hands and their arms and their limbs and their body, and they're thinking, okay, I got a dilemma here now because my mind tells me I don't need to go to the priest right now because I've still got leprosy, right? That's logic. That's normal thinking. Faith, the dilemma, logic or faith, do we just trust him? We came to him because we thought he could heal our leprosy, and he is telling us to go see the priest. Do we just obey him because he commanded it? And I would suggest, what do we have to lose at this point? And they took a step of faith. To go, And it says that as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. For some of you, here in the room and online, you're on a faith journey and you haven't crossed the line of faith yet. You haven't said yes to Jesus yet. Maybe you haven't said yes to baptism yet. Whatever the stage is in your faith journey. And right now, you're like these lepers with the whole logic versus faith thing going on. Where It doesn't make sense to trust a man who lived 2,000 years ago, died for our sins, and then rose again. And by the way, he was born of a virgin to start with, and he was the son of God. And all that stuff, if you think about it too long, might not make a whole lot of sense logically, right? Are you with me? And you need to get beyond the logic. You need to get beyond the, well, this doesn't make sense, and I can't connect all the dots to how this is true, to having faith that says, hang on a minute. The God of the universe wants a relationship with me, and he sent Jesus to die for me. He's the one that said that, and he's a good God, and he is God. He created, so I need to trust him. I need to take that faith step that I don't quite even understand yet to trust him with my life. You need to do that today. And maybe you've already decided to follow Jesus, but it's other steps that he's calling you to do that don't make sense. 
like going to the other side of the world to take the gospel to people who have never heard it. Things like that that we've seen people go out of here and do. Or maybe it's just sharing your faith in your, in your workplace or in your school or in your neighborhood. And that just seems too hard for you. But you know there's a prompting all the time that I need to do this. You need to take that step of faith. Jesus was putting their faith to the test. He was asking these men to act as though they had been healed while they still had the leprosy. And the obedience brought the cleansing. As they went, they were cleansed. Then after that, here's the crux of it today, the crux of the matter. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. He returned to Jesus when he saw that he was cured. He understood, when he saw that he was cured, he understood that that was a God moment, that God had done that through Jesus. And he didn't just feel thankful. I'm sure when he saw the leprosy gone, he was like, whoa, that's great. But he took that, whoa, back to Jesus and said, hallelujah, praise God. See the difference? We get the little warm fuzzy and that feels good. God wants us to go, whoo, yeah, yeah, anyway. It was an immediate reaction. He wasn't trained in theology. He didn't know how to address Jesus properly. He didn't know how to pray properly. He didn't know how to write a song properly that's gonna glorify God. He just knew I'm healed and I'm excited about it and I'm gonna let everybody know that he did this for me. We need to remember the last words of that verse. This man was a Samaritan. You might would have expected him to be the last to go back and thank a Jewish healer or to praise a Jewish God, the God of the Jews. But he was the first. You know, I think many, in many ways, he understood alienation more than the rest of the lepers did because he was a Samaritan. He had already been treated most of his life poorly because he was a Samaritan. Then he had leprosy on top of it. So he had so much to be grateful for, so much motivation to be grateful. If you go through Luke's gospel, you'll see the significance of that interaction because Luke continually talks about the outsider and Jesus' relationship with the outsiders. But then Jesus continued the conversation. He said, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Where are the other nine, Jesus said. He's calling out their ingratitude, the ones that didn't come back and give him glory. You know, I've got uh, uh, six grandkids now, right? You, you, you all know that. And, and uh, the second youngest one, I think she's the second youngest one, uh, Clementine. She's right up here on the front row because she wants to hear Pop Pop preach. Actually, she's ignoring Pop Pop right now. But anyway, one, I don't know if it's her first word or not, but it seems to be her favorite words are thank you. No matter what, she, she, if, if I'm holding her, and even if I don't have something to give her or whatever, she starts saying thank you. You know, so then I'll find something to give her for sure because that's so beautiful and nice and everything. But she's been trained from an early age to say thank you. And most of you, when you were growing up, when you were little like that, your parents, if someone gave you something, what did they tell you? What do you say? And you were supposed to say thank you. Right, so we're taught that from an early age to be grateful. 
And it becomes almost, can become almost rote. Notice with these lepers, the leper that came back to say thanks, it was immediate. When we don't immediately give thanks, if we don't immediately express gratitude, you know what happens? It doesn't. It doesn't happen. Because we get on with life and we go to the next thing that we should be thankful for. And we forgot that one. And we miss that moment. We miss that opportunity because we don't do it right then. When our parents taught us to say thank you, it was urgent. It's like right now. You just got given that. Say thank you now. Right now. We need to be immediate with our thanks. The lepers had missed, the nine had missed that opportunity. And think about the opportunity they just missed. Their lives have been dramatically changed. They were in a leper colony. They couldn't work. They didn't have friends. They didn't have family. Their friends were were the other lepers. And they had no life. It was like being almost dead. they, They weren't really alive, but they weren't really dead. They were in a miserable state. And now they've got new hope, new life. Because they don't have leprosy. That means they can go back and live in society normally. They can renew relationships with family and friends. They can have a job to make a living and not have to beg. They had had such a dramatic transformation of their lives. And maybe they were just excited to get on with all that. And they forgot to go back and say thanks and praise God. You know, I think we would all identify with Jesus and we'd be saying the same thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, where were the other nine? But before we judge them too harshly, I think if we went and talked to the nine, they would say, oh, yeah, we were very thankful. We felt very thankful that Jesus did that. That was amazing. But we just missed the opportunity. We didn't take the opportunity. We felt it. But you know, feelings don't always count. Andy Stanley says it like this. Feelings don't count. Go ahead. Feelings don't count because feelings don't connect. I don't know how you're feeling. You don't know how I'm feeling unless I tell you, unless I work hard to express that to you. That then connects with you. That connects with your heart, my heart and your heart, because I was grateful. I can feel grateful and thankful all day long, but if you don't know that, we're not connecting around that. He goes on, he said, your faith has healed you, and I believe that Jesus, literally that means your faith has saved you. I think Jesus was telling him, not only is your body made whole today, but your soul is made whole today. You are saved today. He had an experience with Jesus. He had a come to Jesus moment. The story, we see a contrast. We see one leper who was grateful, nine who didn't show their gratefulness. One took the time, made the effort to express praise. The other nine did not. So you might be sitting there thinking, so what? So what does that have to do with me? Well, how are you doing when it comes to expressing gratitude. I didn't ask, how are you going when it comes to feeling thankful? I'm asking, how are you going when it comes to expressing gratitude? I think it's something we all need to take a bit of a journey on because I don't think it's automatic. In fact, it can be a little bit awkward. And you know, sometimes when we express, uh, express gratitude, people are dismissive of it, aren't they? They say, oh, it's all right, it's all right, no worries. 
you know, and just move on. We, we don't receive the gratitude very well when it's expressed. So I want to give us some tools today because while feeling thankful can be intuitive, expressing gratitude is not as much. It's something that needs to be cultivated. So cultivating gratitude in our everyday life, that's what we want to work on over the next few weeks because I believe it'll be transformative for you. I believe it will give you a different perspective on life. So here's some tools for how you can cultivate gratitude in your life. First of all, keep a gratitude journal. Write it down. Write it down somewhere. You know, take time each day to write down the things you're thankful for. Make a list of the blessings in your life. There, there's an old hymn. It's called Count Your Blessings, and I'd love to sing it for you, but I don't sing, so I'll, I'll just read it to you. It says, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Second verse, are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly, and you will be singing as the days go by. And on and on it goes. It's a great little, little, little song. For those of you that have always thought I hate hymns and don't know hymns, there you go. Grew up with those. You know, I think it's a good exercise too. Because when we're discouraged, when we're down, we need to stop and pause and count our blessings. Keep a gratitude journal. Write some of it down. Then start and end your day with prayers of gratitude. Before your feet even hit the floor. Thank you, God, for waking me up today. Thank you, I have breath to start another day. And then you can launch your day with gratitude. And you can do more than that. You can thank him for more than that. But if that's all you got, it's stuff to be thankful for. Those in your 90s in the room, that's something to be thankful for. Amen? Yeah. Okay, where's my 90s? And then end the day. End the day by reflecting on the day, all the blessings. Thanking God for the blessings that came in your life that day. What are you thankful for? When our kids were in, in school and still at home, we'd pick them up from school. or They'd get home from school and say, three things. Three things that were good today. And it was hard work sometimes. But we'd, they'd have to sit there until they came up with those three things. Do that before you go to bed tonight. Three things. Then, so starting in your day, then say thanks to others. Say thank you to others. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. But take time to thank others for their kindness and support as you go through life. Then read and meditate on scriptures of gratitude. Let the word of God get in your heart. Let it permeate you. Look up, read the Psalms. The Psalms are beautiful about being grateful. And a lot of times they go from being distraught to being grateful in just a couple of verses. Read the Psalms. And then finally, surround yourself or hang out with thankful people. You know, if you're hanging out with thankful people, it's going to make you more thankful. If you're hanging out with grumpy people, guess what? You're going to be a grumpy person. Hang out with thankful people. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you're doing. So today I want to issue you a gratitude challenge. And it's really simple. Just be grateful every day, every day. Just start with this week, okay? I want you to do it the whole series, and I actually want you to keep doing it after that, but start with this week, every day. Choose one of these things even, just one of them, and put it into practice and be grateful every day. 
There's some resources that can help you even on the app. There's a great gratitude journal and there's uh, links to Spotify, playlist about being grateful. There's all kinds of resources to help you if you wanna do this. So download the app and get onto that. But remember this, guys. Cultivating gratitude is a journey. And there's gonna be days that you're not gonna still feel very grateful and you're gonna know you messed up and you weren't grateful and you didn't live the grateful life that day. Don't be too hard on yourself. Be grateful you've got the next day to try again. And just continue, just chipping away, just chipping away, applying those things to your life, trying to put in some of those things. And each step will take you towards a more grateful life. God delights in a thankful spirit. And as we cultivate gratitude in our lives, we're gonna draw closer to him. We're gonna experience greater joy. And quite frankly, we're gonna be more pleasant people to be around. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are God. And Lord, those things right there is enough that it should make us grateful. Lord, thank you for your promptings even to do this series. Thank you for the series that we just completed and finishing up 21 days of prayer. And Lord, as you've been working in our lives through our prayers, Lord, help us to now be grateful on the other side of that. Lord, make us people who are thankful and that people want to hang out with because they're energized by our gratefulness. Help us not be people who are ungrateful. And Lord, when, when we're feeling grateful, when we're feeling thankful, help us remember that others don't know how we're feeling unless we tell them. Give us just the, 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 not just the energy, but give us the, the remembrance to show our thankfulness. Lord, and help us start that with you because you alone deserve that more than anyone else. But Lord, as we are more thankful to you and more grateful to you, help that spill over to other people as well. In Jesus' name, amen.